Hello, my loves. Fashion Pod 75 and the final one of 2015. How bonkers is that? So I've chosen this week's Fashion Pod specifically for this time of year because this time of year just a little bit crazy isn't it what happens to us all we go into like a slip into another parallel universe it seems bonkers time um but really really excited to be sharing andrea's passion pod she founded earth education project uh, which is an ngo based in nicaragua which kind of empowers women through education and employment and through that has also found the jewelry collection which is made from recycled materials called chureca chic you'll hear all about the story it's an amazingly inspiring example of how important it is to keep your mind open when you're off on these adventures because you never know what opportunities might lead to the next thing so yeah lots of that stuff to share and also at this time of year Just feel like this kind of passion pod is what we need to hear of it, isn't it? Uh, Just a heads up, though, we are sitting by a window which was on a main road, so you get some lovely bits of acoustic traffic. I think there's a rubbish truck or two thrown in there and definitely some buses. Um, So, yeah, enjoy the very authentic London soundscape. A load of great stuff in here, though, nonetheless. So, Andrea. You're listening to Passion Pod 75 with Andrea from Earth Education Project and Tureka Sheik. If I landed from the moon and I sat next to you and I was like, so, what do you do? That vomit-inducing question. (laughs) In a couple of sentences, tell me about Earth Education Project. How do you describe it? So, Earth Education Project's uh, NGO that I started in 2009 out in Nicaragua. We do women's job skill training for women who live on the rubbish dump there called La Chureca. Um, So, we offer a year's course for women whereby they get a scholarship and we basically train them so that they can go get jobs, which we find for them through partnerships. So Start to finish, seeing them through. Yeah. So we teach them reading and writing, computing, um, and then we teach them math, but through managing your household income, how to write letters, how to apply for a job. So that is all going on to a CD, old school. Love Um, it. And then um, that's how we're going to take ourselves to different communities. But it also means that we can give it to other NGOs and through that generate another income stream for EEP. And then as part of Earth Education Project, part of the course, we teach them how to make products from recycled materials. Because my aim was with Earth Education Project to be able to create a sustainable NGO so that we could at least fund the scholarship program ourselves and not always rely on donations. And out of that has come the label Chureka Chic. And Chureka Chic makes high-end fashion accessories from recycled materials. And just this year, we've separated, in inverted commas, Chureka Chic from EP and registered it as its own business. Wow. Um, because that part of it's growing. And so we can actually be one of the places of employment that the women go into. But also it means that we can let it grow by itself and hopefully generate more funds for... EP through Trek Chic. Yeah, has it as an independent business almost sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It is. It's a social enterprise because all the profits go back into EP. It's just a cleaner way of doing it. Yeah. But yeah, so I started an NGO and now run an NGO and a business, which is really difficult. <laughs> as you do, just so chilled, keeps you really quiet, I'm sure. Yeah, there's not much to do really. <laughs> Um, do you do it by yourself? Do you have a team of people? Um, so I have two colleagues out in Nicaragua called Anna and Sylvia who are Nicaraguan and they basically do the 
on the ground running of the project. And then I do kind of the managing of both EEP and Shereka Sheik. But what's exciting is, is that next year we're expanding the team. So we're three and we're going up to 11. Wow. Between Earth Education Project and Shereka Sheik. And we're actually hiring some of the women who've left the EEP scholarship programme. Oh man, how satisfying must that be? My God, It's gosh. quite exciting. Yeah. It's, um, it's a really interesting structure actually, like for an NGO and a business. Because, I mean, obviously we're going to have the administration team. And then EEP is the community programs are going to basically be run by leaders who are some of the women who have come out of the program. And same with Chereka Sheik, the artisans are women who've come out of the program. So it's exciting, but for us it's it's a whole new structure with inside the NGO to actually be working with beneficiaries now as team members. Yeah, real shift just in terms for you personally as well. That's gonna be quite a different change of how it's running day to day, I imagine. Yeah, and I think it's, um, well, definitely, because we're going to go from a team of three of us kind of overlapping and wearing many hats to, like I said, a team of 11 split into two. I think it will make it easier. It It will mean we can grow, definitely, because we'll have people in different positions. But also, I'm just excited because with Chereka Sheik, we've got so much more recognition for what Earth Education Project does. And when I started Earth Education Project, we sold the products we made, which at that time was just cards and notebooks and gift bags as Earth Education Project. And we managed to sell cards, but, you know, it came to a point when I did the sums and said, I'm going to have to sell 80,000 cards a year. People got to need some serious (laughs) cards. (laughs) To be able to fund, you know, just 20 scholarships. And so in 2013, I decided to launch a brand so that we could attract people to what we do through a different angle. Lots of people were kind of, had like mixed opinions. They didn't think I needed to make a brand from the NGO because lots of NGOs sell things. But I kind of stuck to my guns and we formed Tureka Chic. And um, within three months we had, on social media for example, we had more likes than Earth Education Project had in three years, in three months. Yeah, that's bonkers. That's really interesting though to think about if someone's thinking about setting up something like this. You know, that other strand. Because I always think that that's the trouble with something that is charity based. It's a real challenge to continually ask for donations. That self-sufficiency is surely the dream aim, isn't it? Because it means that you're doing the stuff you want to without... I mean, obviously, donations are still important, but without that pressure, almost. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think it's... I mean, you know, Earth Education Project still relies on donations and grants, but I think if we can get Shereka Sheep to the point where we know we can fund Earth Education Project at a certain size, then we also know we can replicate it. And Chereka Sheik is the one that seems to be growing because it's creating a demand for a product. So if we can create more demand, we can create more employment, which ultimately means we can also create more funds to train more people. So like you're saying, it's a way of sustainability, but it's also a way of kind of measured growth. As in, if you can't suddenly find any more funding for what you do, you know that at least you can fund the project in a certain form. Yeah, you've got your base level covered almost, your foundation. What an achievement, though, to be at that stage. (laughs) 
Seriously? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Sometimes I don't say it as an achievement. I say it more <laughs> as an adventure and a bit of a, as they say in Nicaragua, like una locura, which is a crazy, a moment of craziness. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's still lasted. in that moment of craziness. Still just rocking in here. <laughs> lasted about five years. <laughs> Keep it lasting. I'm loving your moment of craziness. That's what these all are, isn't it? It's like a lifetime of craziness, I yeah, feel. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, tell me, we've got some of these products here. Tell me a bit more about the products. I absolutely love this one. This is like bright orange. They look sort of papery, but are really solid. What are they made from? So the one that you've got in your hand is 100% paper. They're all made from paper. It's so hard. And then we mix, we've just started mixing um, fabric and recycled leather in as well to create different pieces. But everything is made by hand. So each bead we make from magazines and they're cut by hand, rolled by hand. So everything's slightly different. And then we have some pieces that we leave the paper natural. So you can see, like this one here, you can see where everything's rolled, you can see the writing yeah. on the beads. And then other beads where we paint them. Um, okay. And then we put a type of varnish on top. Because what I wanted to do with the jewellery, and let's be clear, when I started, Trekashi jewellery looked like any other kind of artisan charity jewellery you find on the market. Um, and you got to you know, learn to grow. Yeah. This is the way forward. <laughs> Trial and error. Um, but this stuff is proper statement stuff. Yeah, it's really it's, like um, bold, isn't it? It's got a real identity. It's bold. It's inspired by Nicaragua completely. And that Latin culture of I'm here and I love my life. <laughs> so all the colours are quite bright and the statement, we've got statement pieces. And then we also have smaller pieces which are interchangeable pieces. So you can buy a necklace and it turns into a bracelet and a necklace and you can buy different pendants to collect. Oh, amazing. Um, oh yeah, I see what you mean, the different fastenings. Yeah, so this, so it comes out. God, clever. have a necklace and a bracelet. But how have you these. developed these ideas? I mean, is your back, we haven't talked about your background, we'll talk, get to that later, but jewellery and stuff is that a lot from you or is that a lot from the women or is that a lot from people in the area how is how is it kind of you say it's transformed a lot I think it's I mean I did art but back in school and actually when I was 17 I wanted to start a fair trade art gallery so I guess I've kind of gone a little bit in a circle <laughs> but Just um, by, by way of Nicaragua <laughs> sure <laughs> um, I, I've always been quite creative and loved creating things but I think Chureka Sheet really came out of the necessity of the fact that I wanted to raise funds for the scholarships, which I don't necessarily think is the best way to start a business because you're starting it with the pressure of it has to make money and you're not very realistic about the fact that it's going to take you years to develop your product and your brand and all that stuff. Um, but the jewellery started because actually a friend of mine gave me a necklace that he found that was made from paper and said, oh, this is for you and all your crazy paper inventions. Maybe you can do something with it. And, da -da! Um, yeah, I took a part of the necklace. <laughs> oh my god! And um, just started with then. I looked up on YouTube with my colleague Anna, kind of how to make paper beads, because there's a lot of that stuff out in Africa. Um, at the time, there wasn't any of that stuff going on in Nicaragua, so we were kind of, I guess, you know, the first people to start making recycled paper jewelry. And we started, like I said, very basic. We didn't even start with collections. We just released stuff as we made it. And then um, I was really lucky in Nicaragua, there's been quite a lot of support for what we do. And I got a scholarship to do a diploma in the industry of fashion based in Nicaragua, which is together with um, the Peruvian government and Nicaraguan government. Oh, wicked. Um, yeah, and there I learned 
what does a brand mean what does it mean to make a collection Whoa. you know and I had to it was fun I went back to the drawing board literally and created collections like clothes it was you know part of the diploma but yeah. it was it was a lot of fun and then um also especially like for you personally yeah. having done the stuff you've done but it's very different focus isn't it to running your NGO day to day I mean I know you're still doing that but yeah it's a completely different focus because well a you're running a business which is really different to running an NGO and you're trying to create a brand which although NGOs have brands there's a certain way that you communicate which is another way that why I wanted to start to a chic to be able to communicate in more of a fun way because NGOs cannot really be that fun like they're more talking about serious issues of which you know you never really make light of whereas Chereka Sheet you know we can say oh you want to be fun you can join us make yourself look beautiful do something different but you don't really say that as an NGO so yeah it was a really steep learning curve but I was lucky to get that diploma and then I have a great friend now called Chantal Lakayu who's one of Nicaragua's top fashion designers who gave me some free mentoring just a couple sessions to make me think about where do I want to take Chereka Chic? And then from there, it's just developed. And this year for this collection, I had um, a design intern from Holland who came out for two months, who's a fashion designer too. And she helped organize the workshop because it's chaos. And she stepped in and went, um, you don't have product codes? And I went, no. And she went, well, well, what's the code for this bead? And I went, round bead, <laughs> two centimeters. <laughs> So she came in and made us more professional and then um, she helped me with the designs because m- most of the designs have kind of come from my head and then with my colleague Anna we've seen what can we do in paper and it's often, oh that would have been a lovely idea if we were a goldsmith <laughs> but you can't do this with paper. So this collection has basically been the result of a whole year's work because we haven't released anything this year aside from this collection, which we just released like two months ago. God, I just, hearing you talk about it, it is just incredible. It is, because it's like how you find hours in your day to do all this stuff. Out of interest, how do you approach, yeah, your working week, juggling all these very different balls? I have to say some weeks are more productive than others. Aren't they all for all of us, my (laughs) darling? I hear you on that, sister. (laughs) Um, If you could currently see the 2016 to 2020 plan, you'd probably be horrified. It's two sheets of A1 with scribbles everywhere, and they're divided in two with Earth Education Project and Chereka Sheik, which is obviously going to go into the computer in a really neat... Tidy, efficient way. Um, But no, I think... I personally actually think it is really difficult to do both because they both require such different types of energy. But I think this year has been great because deciding to separate Chereka Sheik, even just on a piece of paper, has meant that internally we've separated it. And so we know kind of who does what and who's dedicating it to what. I mean, I still do both, but even my role within that is more defined. It gives just more clarification to the whole structure, I guess. Exactly. And you have to be very realistic. I'm not realistic sometimes of how much I can achieve in a day. Like I often have people say, yes, so that would require like a 26-hour day plus eight hours to sleep, which is never going to happen. Like, sure, I'll do it tomorrow <laughs> afternoon. Yeah, so I think, I think it's also time management, to be honest. I think you have to know yourself. You have to learn your own limitations and you have to know what you can do and be realistic with your expectations. And that's why it's a job, because you're not going to get it all done in a day. You're going to need to keep working at it. And, but you do have moments where you've got deadlines and you just you do the all-nicer. But I think everyone has that. But if you love what you do, you'd, I don't really mind it because 
it gives me more energy than, than makes me feel drained or tired. Or I don't really have days where I wake up and think, I don't want to go to work. I have days where I wake up and think, I want to stay in bed. Because I have but... so much to do. <laughs> I don't even know where to start on my mountain. Yeah, exactly. Um, tell me, you know, going back, what was your background before you set up all of this? What, what were you doing? So I was living and working in Latin America. I started working in Venezuela when I was at university. I did Spanish at university, which obviously helped a lot. Yeah, definitely um, now. <laughs> And I spent my third year abroad working in Venezuela for an art foundation because, as I mentioned, I was quite interested in working in art. And okay. I was quite interested in working in art education. And then after uni, I went travelling for a year and just became more interested in lack of access to education and decided I didn't want to move to London like everyone else is doing. And I applied for a job in Costa Rica and started working for an NGO there that was based on community education and I worked on their art programs that they did and then I went from there to Nicaragua with a Canadian NGO and worked on educational infrastructure so working with communities to figure out why children weren't going to school and what they needed because the NGO's aim was to build schools and libraries but actually whilst I was with them my job was to evaluate 15 communities and one of the things I discovered was that it doesn't matter if there's a school right there the fact of the matter is is that they're not going to send their kids to school because they need them to work or they need them to go get water which is two hours away or there's just different obstacles so I became really interested in that sort of part of it in that part yeah. of it and then because I was in Nicaragua with this NGO we worked giving out school supplies in the dump area for children that had scholarships to go to school and that's how I came to know the Latrec community and I went there quite a lot and I took groups of volunteers there who were down with the NGO. I think it was maybe the eighth or tenth time that I went there that I came back just completely shell-shocked. And it had never affected me before. Obviously it affects you when you see people living off a rubbish dump, but I think because I'd been lucky enough to travel and they'd seen kind of different levels of life. And working in NGOs and stuff, you're, you're, you're coming across similar sort of situations, I'd imagine. Yeah, you do. And, but r- rural poverty and urban poverty is really different. You know, I, d- I don't know what it is. I think rural poverty, it, it makes you really isolated and there's no opportunity. And you think someone who's poor in an urban setting has more opportunity. But this rubbish dump is on the outskirts of the capital city of a country, you know, Managua, Nicaragua. And the people there didn't even have birth certificates. They can't get jobs because they can't read and write. Or they, if they do, they are isolated because their ID card says they're from Natureka. So people immediately think, I don't want to hire someone from there. They're disconnected completely sort of from society. Yeah. yeah. So it was just seeing that. And then I just, I had a moment where I thought, what, you know, what could you do? It was a, it was a day where it was raining. The rainy season at that time was horrible. And there was just people picking food off the dump to feed their family. And it's like sodden with toxins and rain and mud. And it was just one of those days. It might sound a bit cliched, but it was just one of those days where I thought something else has to be done. That's not just handing out food or medical supplies or school supplies, which is really important. And then I started thinking, well, if you could teach them to make something from the rubbish, you could teach them how to earn an extra income. And then it kind of snowballed from there because income without education still doesn't mean anything because you don't know how to spend it and you don't know the worth of education so technically if you get a job you're not necessarily going to spend it on the things that you should um so that's how the whole package yeah Yeah, by thinking well i want to teach them to make something but they need to learn to read and write they need to learn that it's important to send their kids to school and then 
And then we just developed the program from there. God, easy as that. Uh, how did, I mean, at that stage of things, when it was early days, how did you make that work financially for yourself? Because um, I was working with this other NGO. It was in my spare time that I went to the community and I connected with another NGO that was working there and asked them, I, I approached them with this idea and said, what do you think? And they said, well, if you want, you can use our space to try a pilot program. So I spent about six months going around the community with the director, Ruben, of this other organisation, with my questionnaire, asking people kind of what they thought, you know, what they needed, would they be interested in such a programme. And then off the back of that, I developed a pilot programme. I then quit my job (laughs) at the NGO. She says with a huge (laughs) grin on her face. (laughs) Um, and I had $600 of savings and started the pilot project with that. I found wow. a, an artist who wanted to help teaching the recycled projects. And that was 2009. And then 2010, we started with the program full time. But you launched that with a business plan at that stage then, I guess. Not really. Not... <laughs> business what? <laughs> no. I think I wrote my first business plan about two years ago. <laughs> Darling, you're the best example. It's like the perfect passion pod ever. It's like, don't worry, you can still do all these amazing things and not have business plans. <laughs> uh, but then I guess in terms of funding and for yourself, you know, by that stage, you've got a bit more of an idea of what you're... I then, I then came back to the UK because I needed to raise money for the project. Obviously, there was no money for me to work for it. So I got a job as a consultant for WFP, which was a great contract because although I was based in London as a consultant, you can kind of define when you work, even though the consultancy was more full-time than part-time, but it meant that you had an enforced one-month holiday a year because you could never work more than 11 months, and then you were allowed to take like six weeks. So I kind of went for for, Yeah, I did spend more time here than there and had my colleague Anna kind of on the ground running the programme, seeing how it went. And then just kind of for financial stability, I couldn't really not have a job. Um, And then, yeah, I ended up registering the charity here. And then two years later, finally finished registering it in Nicaragua, which is a longer process. Oh, two years later. That's, yeah, long, much longer process. It's really long. There's a lot of red tape, but it helps because we were registered in the UK, so we didn't have to start on a whole other board and a whole other system out there. And then I was lucky enough to get a scholarship in 2013 to go full time, which meant I obviously moved out of my flat, moved back in with my mum and then spent half the year in Nicaragua, half the year here um, and did that for two years. And now I'm back out full time. I guess we've talked about them loosely in and around them, but are there any other things that that you found specifically challenging about, I don't know, setting up your own thing or the fact it is an NGO or... Oh my gosh, there are so many. And I think I definitely have had those days where you think, what am I doing? This is so hard. Especially when the reason for doing it is less selfish. I mean, for Earth Education Project, there's women dependent on the scholarships. The same with Chereka Sheik, there's women dependent on jobs and... I think sometimes it's that pressure of this has to work. But at the same time, I feel that pressure of this has to work has meant that I've not been afraid to kind of innovate and change things and admit when something hasn't worked or admit that this isn't going well, so we're going to scrap it and we're going to try something else. 
Um, I got asked to speak at this event in Managua called Fuck Up Nights, which is where you kind of share your fuck ups. And you have oh seven God, this minutes. this sounds a great idea. <laughs> Such a good idea. My God, I should do a whole Passion Pod series just on that. In fact, if I edited the bits <laughs> out, I've probably got them in there. A brilliant yeah. shout. Well yeah. done for being brave enough to go and confess, though. <laughs> It was interesting because at first it's that thing of when you have your own thing. I think everyone does it. You don't want to show weakness. And I said to one of my friends, you have this attitude of everything's fine. How's your how's your business going? Great. And inside you're thinking, but I don't know how I'm going to pay any salaries in the next two weeks. So I think those kind of things are great. And I think... I mean, I had a lot of fuck-ups to share just in seven minutes. I was quite disappointed I only had seven minutes. But it's good to limit yourself as well. (laughs) But I think joining things like that, joining different groups of people who are doing the same thing is really important. I think when you start your own thing, you can often feel quite isolated because most of your friends aren't doing something similar. And even though they'll support you, there's often a lot of questions of why and then there's a lot of but have you thought of this and mm, is that really going to work and it's it's very difficult to feel like you have to convince people um, because that's I think what lots of entrepreneurs feel that they have to convince people that what they're doing is right when in fact I think being an entrepreneur means that you want to do something by yourself but you also have to be willing to fail and keep trying lots of people start a business and like I did with the jewellery, for example, or the stationery. We started it one way and it didn't work, and so we started something else. And it's all under, in the same vein, obviously, because it's the charity, but, you know, other people start a business and it doesn't work, and then they start something else, and that's what makes an entrepreneur, because they're willing to kind of fail and keep going, whereas I think lots of people, they see a failure as a failure, which is why this fuck up night was really good because it says actually no it's all about screwing up and then starting again (laughs) totally and I think there's such a big thing you know I was actually having a conversation only this week about how we could teach kids that like you've got to be okay with failing because you know at that age they're not conscious of everything you do wrong that's how you're learning but seemingly when we get to adult age we're like oh god well definitely I am more than I should be everything's got to be right and I can't muck things up and you know but actually that is like you say case in point if you hadn't had those failures then this wouldn't be what we're sitting here in front of us now and yeah you'd never be in that situation it's often easier to see that in someone else's story though isn't it than your own (laughs) it's like that's all well and good you have lots of fuck ups but I don't want any thanks yeah I think it is and I think the biggest thing I've learned actually is to not take things personally because it's it's life it's business as well and things happen but it's hard when you're putting so much of yourself into something I think you know it's it's very difficult to separate that I think it can be it is really difficult and you know again it's because it's got that social cause behind it that you're trying to well at least like EEP and Shurekashit we're trying to make a difference to people's lives and I think we're starting Shurekashit we're at the very beginning but it's going into a world that I don't know anything about and fashion is brutal I can People imagine are, it's like the, the stuff like Devil Wears Prada vibe I know if only it was kind of that fun though <laughs> <laughs> oh lordy yeah, so I think you definitely have things you know where you feel like people are trying to bring you down or people copy you and steal your ideas but at the same time you I don't know I've got to a stage where I think well great great if you want to copy what we're doing that's awesome because you think it's working but I think like any business you obviously that's competition you're always going to have competition but I feel for me I've often taken it personally because all I could see was well the only repercussion of this is that we can help less women but you get over it and you've just got to grow up basically (laughs) it's not about you it's about something else so 
yeah yeah so it's been it's been quite a journey and I think there's definitely things that I would do differently if I if I could have been out there full-time at at the beginning I think it would have made a huge difference you know we might have developed the project faster but at the same time I'm quite glad that it developed in the way that it did because it's foolproof in inverted commas as and we know that our training system works and we know that we can expand now because we know the model and we know we can replicate it because we're doing that right now. So, you know, I'm grateful for the journey. Everyone always has things they'd do differently if they knew. Like if I'd known how to write a business plan, I probably would have done that at first. But I think there's so much you can do without prior knowledge. You just have to kind of believe in it. You've been listening to Passion Pod 75 with Andrea from Earth Education Project and Trek Chic. What an honour to have that lady as our last podcast of 2015. Thank you so much, Andrea. How can one little human person do all of those amazing things? It is so super inspiring, isn't it? Just what we need to hear in December, I feel. So that's 2015 done and dusted on Passion Pods. Although it's always funny with that, isn't it? Because saying the date, I never know, you could be listening to this at any time of any year. But it's kind of important, I think, in context of Andrea's podcast to to shove the date in there somewhere. Um, Also, so that I can say a massive thank you to you for all of your ear listening time. Oh my God, I can't tell you how grateful we are that you lend us your ears. And as ever, any feedback, any people you think we should be chatting to in 2016, we've got a fair few lined up. Um, I can't wait to get stuck into them. Uh, But if you've got any suggestions, please let me know always wicked to hear from you we're on facebook passion pods or you can find us on twitter at passion pods in the meantime i hope you have a really wonderful christmas enjoy some time out especially if you are on your own self-employed adventure we are doing an official week off over christmas because quite frankly if there's ever a week to take off that we can try and not feel guilty about it's got to be christmas right uh so i hope you're doing the same have a really really great one and just can't wait to see you when we're back stuck into these again in 2016